The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Future's pretty solid as we wake up to more earnings and this news of a Brexit deal. Question is, can Johnson sell that to Parliament as early as this weekend? Europe is mixed. Sterling's had a big round trip this morning after cracking $1.30. Uh, data back home, not great. Claims, Philly Fed, housing starts all disappoint, but the 10-year is still above 175. Our roadmap begins with Netflix soaring despite a subs miss. The streaming giant warning that Increasing competitive headwinds could weigh on growth. Plus, shaking off global tension, shares of Morgan Stanley look to be rallying this morning. This on what looks like strong quarterly results. The bank's CFO will join us for a first on CNBC interview this morning. And as we said, futures rallying on some new Brexit hopes. UK's parliament approval, though, remains uncertain. Let's start with Netflix. Up in the pre-market, subgrowth did miss, but still rebounded in the quarter to almost 6.8 million thanks to international strength. Profits top expectations on the earnings call. Reed Hastings did talk about the competition with Disney and Apple, set to launch their own services next month. Fundamentally, there's not a big change here. It is interesting that we see both Apple and Disney launching basically in the same week after 12 years of uh, not being in the market. Um, and I was being a little playful with whole new world in the sense of the drama of it coming. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, it's uh, more of the same. And, and Disney's uh, going to be a great competitor. Um, <clears throat> Apple's just beginning, but, you know, they'll probably have some great shows, too. I did count about six firms cutting their targets today. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's it's not fine. It's fine. Trying to figure out how to substitute the end. Maybe our, our guest member, they could, our viewers came up with watch, Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home Depot. We obviously have to take Fang out. We have to the end. I mean, it just doesn't belong anymore. Uh, last night's call was one of those calls where they talked about a lot of interesting programming. Um, the stock's up simply because it didn't blow up and because international's good. International. But the idea that this should be in Fang is just... I mean, well, why, all right. So well, you know, we can change it. G to, we can we, we can make it. G. I got a chance here. Do this. New York Times credited me with Fang the other day. Congratulations! I, 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 I think that was been Pulitzer Prize winning author Jim Stewart. <laughs> but we have F. We have A. We have A. Okay. We have M. M. Microsoft. What? What's M? Microsoft. Of 
MSFT. All right, M. Okay, yeah. Microsoft. Mi- yes. yes, got it. Just making sure I understood. Yeah, Microsoft you means fine tobacco. MSFT. Uh, but you know, we got We have a. We have a choice here. It's a kind of a scramble. It's a jumble. Why? Right? Why? Oh, why? Why should I take Netflix out? Yes. Because how many quarters? Look, look. This was a miss. Okay. It, it, it's kind of a tree is a tree is a tree. A miss is a miss is a miss. So one line was good. International. I mean, the guy talked mostly about how you can have international programming, basically making it sound like the Disney, uh, Apple, kind of domestic nothing. By the way, just putting Disney and Apple together is an insult to Disney. I mean, that Apple thing, he said it's starting out. I get it. But just... The Disney well, Plus. Why did Iger feel he had the price perspective for what you are getting? Disney Plus is a very significant uh, uh, offering. Uh, Apple's fourteen did programs. You, did you, you saw the thread that Disney Plus tweeted all of the content earlier in the week. Yeah, it took the, all day. Yeah, it's, Netflix I, does. Netflix I, has more than hundred. God bless programs. Apple that they even are included in this conversation. <laughs> Warner <laughs> Media, which is launching on October 29th, at least going to give right. us the, the specifics of their streaming, is going to be far more robust. I mean, I mean, let me give you a quick bust. What does Reed Hastings do on Sunday night? I don't know. HBO. Was that a funny moment on the call? I mean, obviously, he's what Game of Thrones versus binging. No, no, no. I mean, it's, it's Succession that's on it. That's all right. So, said, maybe, no, this, which, I think, was you, kind of past I don't think tense. you've been watching that. Which no, is my, my sister says it's show. good. My sister says it's good. good. Uh, but there are programs that they mentioned this morning, that last night, that were, I got to watch. I mean, didn't you feel like there was a lot of water cooler talk well, in that, that That's what the, the Bulls' argument this morning is margin expansion. Right. Uh, baking competition into the Q4 guide. Yeah. Uh, the downside says uh, the, the competition's not even here yet, right? It's barely begun. Well, I mean, and I pricing think, power is basically. Well, I mean, call over. It, we, he called it modest headwind to our near term growth. Uh, look, and, he, and he admitted that the, that the price increase perhaps Didn't, had you know, domestic. a little churn had, there. Had, yes, had slowed things. That's why I say it doesn't belong in Fang. I mean, uh, you know, we don't hear that from Microsoft. By the way, making more Mark money, Benio, though. Average Mark, revenue per user's Mark Benioff's been talking about Microsoft. Maybe that needs to be broken up. He thinks they're skating past the Justice Department because they've already been reviewed. I think to keep him, look, he obviously thinks that Facebook is, is tobacco. I got the sense that he thought Microsoft was Jewel. What does that have to do with Netflix, which we were just talking about? I'm looking for something to replace the N. Oh, I see. So you're thinking through it. I, I'm thinking forward. How about just getting rid of it and just making it fag? Fag. Fat, fat. Oh, geez, David. That's like, I think it's MAGA. It's make. Oh, geez, that's taken it. That's Cudlow. That was Cudlow. Well, Larry, was, he was adamant that uh, the Andrew, he talked about Andrew's address, I think, there. That hits where it hurts. I know. But look, I just thought that the call, there was one number that was good, Carl, the international. Every other number was disappointing. But isn't that a really significant number, Jim? It, it isn't is. Isn't that what the it growth is. story is all about? Yes, it no is. No domestic has already become a very crowded marketplace or is becoming no. one. That's There's a- no expectation they're going to grow significantly, what they added, $2.6 million. It's not bad. Oh, right. I'm the, I'm the, I'm, 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 is the growth opportunity, and uh, they're doing okay. I, no, and they are. And, you know, they've got local pro- language programming in Italy. David, they got the Italy stuff they're going there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the, uh, say, for example, upgrades of Roku lately have centered around increasing the user base and some arguments two to three times in international, right? It's well, a big world. It, it is, and that's one of the things when you talk about uh, they're talking about one of the things that I thought was great on the call was that they were saying, hey, listen, Facebook has billions of people, right? Billions. Yes. So why can't they have a fraction of that? And they, I, I like that. That was a good part of the call. I guess what I didn't like about the call 
was that you, know, you have these estimates, okay, that people put out. And when you miss them all, the stocks should go down. Uh, but they did have international. And I don't think that was enough to make it rally other than the fact the stock was down so much that it looked up to me. Down. That's yeah, it. it was down 22%. It has been down you know ever what? since, really, Disney rolled out Disney Plus. There have been a lot Look, more questions. Want, I need to because $6.99 was such a compelling you, you price. Want, I, I Disney feel, comes out of 11 get, or 12. You're getting me down. I need an upper. <laughs> There's, we got plenty of those, Jim. I mean, this is the argument about earnings season right now, right. is that the bank calls were good from a macro standpoint. They, uh, no, fabulous. Fabulous, yeah, okay. fabulous, fabulous. But uh, the industrials that are printing well are coming out of execution, ball, ball, and ball, CSX ball. is a good example. Honeywell, execution. Plus arrow. CSX, remarkable operation ratio. Almost every line was down. Union Pacific, sadly disappointing, but don't give up on a big buyback. But they did not have the, uh, they didn't have the expense ratio uh, that I was hoping for. The, 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 operating, you know, the operating number. Union Pacific has rationalized it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- UN, UNP, uh, shipment volumes down, but not a big surprise. But how about but, Taiwan Semi saying they're going to spend $15 billion? I mean, what $15 billion on equipment? What does that say about applied materials? What does it say about land research? What does it say? <laughs> David, it's I, a podcast. I, I, I know that. I don't know what it says, Jim. There, I'll speak for the podcast listeners. Um, but I know we've got a lot of other earnings to cover as well yeah, this but, morning. But, but, we can we get, get to Morgan let's Stanley. Get we want to get to IBM. That's positive and negative. We need a positive right now. How about how about talking to Larry Kudlow, yeah. National <laughs> Economic Council director, That's who was on but positive. You on Squawk a few moments ago got cut off a little bit. Larry, thanks for joining us again. My great pleasure. Thank you. Thank uh, Jimmy. Appreciate it, fellas. Uh, Larry, one thing you guys didn't get to with the Squawk crew was China and specifically yeah. ag. Can you yeah. talk about? That, 15, that 40 to 50 number uh, and the degree to which this is actually going to happen? Well, that was something that was agreed upon. Uh, I think it's a real number. Uh, it's not, by the way, just going to be ag purchases, although that's going to be a huge boost to our farm sector. There are also going to be various market access openings with respect to uh, agriculture products, and agriculture standards that the Chinese seem to be loosening up on. It'll be great pleasure. So that's a huge piece of it. It's not the only piece, but uh, between the market openings, they're lowering non-tariff barriers on agriculture. And by the way, they started buying. You know, I, I, I believe I was on CNBC uh, when I said uh, maybe 10 days ago that people shouldn't be so pessimistic about the China talks and that some good things could happen. And I think this whole phase one is a good thing that's happening. And for the skeptics out there, I appreciate that and I respect that. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of momentum and there's agreement on both sides. Uh, Larry, Jim, great that you having you back. Thank you for coming back. My pleasure, Jimmy. You know, can I read, Jim? I just want to read this. I came out, I believe, yesterday morning. This is from the um, Chinese Foreign Ministry. Okay, so that's the top of the heap. It's like our State Department. Here's what they said, and I say this to the doubters. Here's what the Foreign Ministry said. The two sides are unanimous in the issue of reaching an economic and trade agreement. There is no difference 
This economic and trade agreement will be of great significance to the United States and the rest of the world, global economy and world peace. In other words, the two sides are unanimous in the issue of making an economic and trade deal. Now, that's from the foreign ministry, a very, very uh, important part of the Chinese government infrastructure. We've never had a statement like that, Jimmy, from them. Never. So I think all the phase one subjects I hope we get into, this is for real. For real. Well, look, I, I waited, and I sure hope it happens, because they let, it, they let the United States down after Argentina. Uh, let, let's go back to strong versus weak economy. Yeah. Uh, I, Larry, I've got to tell you, the manufacturing economy needs help. It needs a rate cut, and it needs a rate cut now, maybe two rate cuts. But the consumer, the numbers yesterday from retail, from commerce, indicated weakness. I have a good read on the consumer from both the banks and from retailers that says it's strong. What do you say to the people who say, listen, we're a consumer-led economy, why do we need these rate cuts? Well, look at, um, you know, I'm getting anecdotal evidence. One of the lovely parts of my job is I get to meet a lot of CEOs on a constant basis. Industry, pharmaceuticals, drugs, bankers, they have a bird's eye view. One of the things I've heard from the uh, big bankers, loans are booming, Jimmy, particularly middle market loans. I've heard that several times. So that's a terrific thing. And I really don't see, I know the retail sales number was sloppy, but if you smooth it out uh, on the three month change, it's growing uh, about 5% at an annual rate. That's a good number. On manufacturing, no question, the GM strike has hurt us. The Boeing problem has hurt us. The absence of demand from Europe has really hurt us a lot. But I will say this, uh, pardon the numbers, but the third quarter is actually coming in positive. Um, manufacturing in Q3 looks like it'll be up 3.1% at an annual rate. In, uh, in uh, Q2, it was a negative number. And business equipment, which is important for investment and capital uh, spending, uh, Q3, 2 q Q2 was minus 5. I think, Jimmy, if you look at that, you look at the housing improvement, you look at the strong retailers, and look, let's not forget, you got a 3.5% unemployment rate, 50-year low, with revisions last month, payrolls 180, that's a huge number, and households, and I want to emphasize households, which pick up smaller business, the last four months or the last five months, the household survey from which unemployment comes that thing's been growing 400,000 per month. So but, but America is working and America is getting paid. I think we but, but, are in improving situation. I know, but uh, I listen. If I were Jay Powell, Fed chief, uh, I would say that there's no reason to cut. And yet you and I both know that if we're going to remain competitive, particularly with, this, with the dollar way it is, then there must be a cut. Uh, how do you rationalize a cut, given all that great news you just said? Well, look, um, the great news may be more of a forecast. I don't know. The actual numbers, I think, still in the third quarter. You know, it's going to be a softer quarter than we hoped. The money markets are predicting another rate cut. Um, Jim Bullard of the St. Louis Fed, who was a thought leader 
he's really been kind of a leading indicator of the Fed. Uh, he wanted 50 basis points cut last month. He got 25. Uh, I think he's pushing for 25, maybe even 50 the end of this month. So, Jimmy, I'm just saying the markets are telling me at least, you know, you and I used to do this a lot in the good old days. The markets are predicting another Fed rate cut, and I agree with that. I think it would be entirely appropriate. One last point on the Fed uh, before we get too far into the weeds. The yield curve is now finally beginning to normalize. Uh, a month ago, every media outlet, including media outlets that never heard of the yield curve before, were all predicting recession because the curve went negative and uh, short rates were above long rates. That's changed now, as you know. Now the 10-year is above the twos and above the three-month bill. That's a good sign. Uh, my reckoning is uh, monetary policy will go at least for one more 25-point ease. And as you put it, I, I, I think it's worthwhile. I think it's a good thing. Hey, Larry, really quick, just a couple of things from me. This remarkable meeting last night between the speaker uh, and the president in the cabinet room, does that bury any hopes of USMCA? Well, you know, Carl, I don't think so. Now, I was not at that meeting. I've been at many other meetings. Some are good, some are not so good. Look, what I'm hearing, if Speaker Pelosi has her disagreements with the administration. No question about that. I understand. She has been. Having said that, Speaker Pelosi has been accommodative and accessible and, and helpful regarding USMCA, which is a big boon for farmers, manufacturers, high-tech, financial services, currency stability. It would increase American economic growth by half a percent of GDP and a couple of hundred thousand jobs over time. So I think, Speaker, on that subject, even while she disagrees on others, I think she's been helpful. Uh, my friend, Trade Ambassador Bob Lighthizer, uh, is working the Hill Democratic side. Senior key Democrats are heavily engaged with Ambassador Lighthizer talking about key issues. And so many people in the Democratic and Republican Party understand that USMCA, which is a template for future trade deals, would be a legacy, a great legacy for the United States, a great legacy for Republicans and Democrats and workers and manufacturers and automakers and content. Uh, this is such a big thing. I still believe it will pass. We may have disagreements on some matters, but I think USA, USMCA has a lot of momentum. I think it will pass, and I think it will pass uh, before, before Thanksgiving. That's my own personal Charles, view. Larry, you know you're making a lot of news. A lot of people feel that the spat between Speaker Pelosi and President Trump is irredeemable. You're obviously saying that's not the case. You're also saying that we should stay tuned for some buys. Maybe even they open up a J.P. Morgan or a, a city to open business in China. Larry, these would be two incredibly bullish things. Just want to be sure that that's what we heard, that that's what you're saying, because they're both very newsworthy. Uh, number one, let me repeat. Uh, we, the, the Trump administration, the president, may have his disagreement with Speaker Pelosi. This is not unusual. 
but I still believe on USMCA. That's a separate track, and I will just tell you high-level conversations with senior Democratic committee chairs and sub-chairs are talking to Ambassador Lighthizer, who has conducted, Mr. Lighthizer has put together a brilliant non-partisan trade deal that helps manufacturing and farmers. It also helps the new economy with IP protection. It also includes currency stability. This is a template. This is an American legacy. Second point, second point, Jimmy. I mean, you were asking me what about China? I, I I wanted something new. I mean, maybe it's something pot, like a, an ag buy, but also say letting J.P. Morgan in, letting City in. Let us compete, Larry. They won't let us compete. You are correct. Now, here's a very important point. We have made great progress, and this is a key part of phase one. This goes back to last spring. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin had successfully negotiated uh, financial industry openings in China so that the ownership, the ownership of any joint ventures will switch to an American majority. You follow me? Instead of 49%. Sure all right. So if an insurance company or a bank or a securities firm gets a license from the Chinese government and enters into a joint venture or something like that, instead of owning 49 percent, that number will go to 51, 53, and 100 percent ownership in a couple of years. Vice Premier Liu Hu has been talking about this for many months. Not only is that provision still on the table, Jimmy, it's gaining favor, that whole chapter on financial services. The currency, transparency, and stability, that chapter has gained great credibility. The protection of international property rights, that chapter has gained great credibility. Uh, right. This will go on. Phase one in the box. may not be altogether no, finished. All right. You may go to phase two uh, on some areas, uh, but on things like conflict resolution, it's deal being dealt with at the Which highest levels of the U.S. and China, the highest levels. And there is a desire and a willingness. I read this foreign ministry straight, uh, statement. I urge you all to get a hold of it and look at it yourselves, and you will see. Now, I cannot predict the future here. All I'm saying right. is... Take phase one seriously. I said on this network a week or 10 days ago that we might be surprised at what came out of these talks last week. We are surprised at what came. Both sides have a desire to do business. It's got to be the right deal. It's got to be right for America. President Trump says that all the time. It's got to be enforceable. There has to be uh, ways to uh, deal with um, disagreements and uh, resolutions. But nonetheless, this is front and center. It's going back to China. We're going to paper, put the papers and the documents and the translations together. Maybe it will be uh, signed in APEC in Chile 
uh, by the middle of next month, maybe not. But the momentum, the issues, they're all on the table. Both sides have agreed. In other words, Jimmy Kramer, we are coming, we have come further than we ever have before. So the president lifted one of the tariffs. We'll see about other tariffs being lifted. That might be part of the deal. I don't want to All make right. a prediction. But both All sides right. see this as beneficial for each country. And that is enormous progress. As I said a while back, the mood music has improved. Now the actual negotiation has improved. These are tough guys. This is tough negotiations. The president will always defend America. No question about Larry. that. He will always defend our economy. But people shouldn't overthink this. This is real no, understood. and it's going to be negotiated. Well, before we let you go, Larry, while we've been talking industrial production, uh, for negative year on year, first uh, in three years, some of that may be GM. Uh, but you did say in May that the American economy, you said we were killing it with the economy. Uh, are you still saying that today? Well, look, we've had some softness in the spring and summer quarters. Again, the aftermath of severe monetary tightening, the slump in Europe, the strikes at GM, the, I'm not going to call it a strike, but the problems in Boeing, that stuff cuts into uh, manufacturing. But if you look, Carl, I don't want to go through the numbers again. The third quarter as a whole, if we smooth these things out, manufacturing will be uh, positive in the third quarter. It was negative in the second quarter. Business equipment, positive in the third quarter. It was negative in the second quarter. I like the low interest rates. I like the zero inflation. I also like low taxes. Consumer incomes are booming right now, and so are jobs. So I will say I'm looking for a big improvement in Q4, and I'm looking for a continued, continued uh, economic boom in 2020. Uh, Larry, let me ask you, yesterday Mark Benioff was on, you know him from Salesforce, he's talking about capitalism being dead. The other night there was a Democratic, uh, uh, let's say a uh, referendum by candidates which said that capitalism is dead, but they need to have something else to replace it. One wants government to replace it, we know what that is, the Democrats. The other one wants business replacement. Is capitalism dead, Larry? Capitalism is not dead. Free enterprise is not dead. Economic opportunity and freedom is not dead. Look, in another interview, which I would love to do with you fellows, we can talk about some of these policies uh, coming out of the uh, Democratic side. I, I don't want to do politics, but I love to do policy. I, I will just say this. The president said this at the UN. He will never permit the United States to become a socialist country. He will never permit the government's takeover of health care. He will never permit a rollback of energy and fossil fuels, which has not only created jobs, it has made America so strong in the international arena. We will never have the kind of government that actually encourages people not to work and pays them not to work. There is no way Americans are going to vote for plans that would be a government takeover of the economy with a price tag of $100 trillion or more 
which would be paid for by enormous increases of middle class taxes. That's the only way you can do that. This is not the American way. We are free enterprise. We are not socialists. We are going to protect a tremendous, durable economic prosperity cycle with low taxes and deregulation and energy and getting trade barriers down. Socialism is in Venezuela. Socialism is in China. Socialism is in a lot of places around the country. Jimmy Cramer, you and I started as partners on TV, I don't know, 20 years ago. We didn't talk socialism then. We ain't talking socialism now. America loves freedom. And a government-dominated, repressive economy is not freedom. And by the way, why? Why? Creating a 3.5% unemployment rate with median income 65,000. It's up about six or 7,000 in two years. Why would we want to destroy a pretty darn good prosperity cycle? Why would anybody in their right mind want to do that? No. Socialism, X. Check the box. For, <laughs> Larry. Check the box. I like the old check days. the box for free enterprise, Jimmy Kramer. Check the free you bet, enterprise Larry. box. And you know, wealth creation in the stock market benefits, uh, what, 100 million people? I could go on and on. Maybe yes, we'll have yes, our you own could. Yeah. It's like the old days. Uh, we agree. We, we can't wrap you anymore, Larry, like we did in the old days, but we can thank you. Thank we'll you. See you soon. Larry Kudlow outside the White House. Um, we always good, agree. Yeah, as a good 15 on minutes of television. On that, we agree. We had many differences, but we pro capitalism, pro putting food on the table. Uh, market is overlooking uh, the data today, as we said yeah, with Larry. Industrial production negative again for September. Philly Fed starts were much worse than expected. Claims a little elevated, up back to 214. But if, if, Larry, if Larry's right, I mean, holy cow. If Larry's right, we're going to get we're going to see something you know, high level talk from China. And Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, agree with the president. These are huge. Let's get the opening bell here in the S&P 500 at the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. At the big board, celebrating an IPO, it's Bell Ring Brands, maker of Power Bar Snacks, uh, spinning off from Post Holdings. At the NASDAQ, uh, ATA Creativity Global, providing education programs. David? Uh, do I detect a little skepticism from your silence? in terms of predictions. I think that's fair to say. Don't you? Yes, but look, I, I left this morning. When it comes to predicting trade, to be fair, it's been virtually impossible. We've True. talked to him many times about it. Uh, he sounded certainly positive on, on China, uh, re- reading that statement, I think, from some ministry there. But again, I think many people have a very hard time sort of really understanding exactly what the issues are and what is going to be resolved near term and what's going to take a long time. And uh, Speaker Pelosi saying the other day that the government is in uh, pure chaos and the idea that she might agree and drive through USMC, that's news. Yeah, that was a more positive spin, I guess, than we've heard. But that's Larry, right? Well, but Larry is the chief economic advisor to the president of the United States. He's He's the chief, chief economic advisor. He's not the Cudlow Report. He's the chief economic advisor. I mean, right? 
I mean, he wouldn't say this stuff unless we're about to hear good news. Do you think we will? I, I was surprised. I didn't think we will. I mean, you know, I, my, my wife, Lisa, we know Nancy Pelosi because of relationship at Georgetown, where, by the way, Mark Zuckerberg is speaking this afternoon. And we both felt that the end, it's the end between any hope for cooperation between the president and the speaker after the thing she said yesterday. Yeah. I mean, he did... Uh he did not say that this deal would be signed in Chile. He said maybe, maybe not. Right. right. But I've got to tell you, that was the most positive. I know David's right. Larry is a positive person. But you know what? When, when Larry and I were together, what the Dow was, uh, it's tripled. It has been good to be positive over the long Right. Time. He and I were always, we had many disagreements, Democrat, Republican. But we both felt that the market could go much higher, and it did that. So, yes, he may be more positive than people like to think, but Lighthizer is a very tough guy. And he's not going to contradict Lighthizer. He's not going to contradict him. Uh, I mean, some people have been noting that the Chinese, for example, do not use the, fa- the phrase phase one in their no. statement, the very statement that Kudlow is referring to. So some of that may be lost in translation? Maybe, but I can tell you the Chinese need, I'm not using the, I'm going to say a different word, hogs. They need hogs. They need them. We got ones that are healthy. They need them. I can't believe that they're cutting off their nose despite their face. I would love to see a big buy that could really show that they meant business. And how about letting MasterCard and Visa in? How about a 51% J.P. Morgan J, uh, uh, joint venture? How about admitting that they stole from Micron, which, by the way, should be up after TSMC? How about these, David? Those would all be very significant things, don't you think? They would. And But, by the way, some of them are at the top of the list is very possible, and I think others are not as much. When it comes to IP... When it comes to uh, state-owned enterprises and the support that they get from the government to be able to compete unfairly, uh, many would say. I think it's a much more difficult lift. I think many would agree. So we'll see. The market has been reacting positively these last few sessions to the prospects of at least some sort of agreement. Maybe the president's the one who wants to call it phase one. The Chinese may not. It remains to be seen what can be overall accomplished and how long it will take. But um, certainly those things, Jim, if they were to occur, would be seen as a positive. Yeah, it would be gigantic, and that's why the market's up. Uh, I did not expect to hear anything positive about USMC. I'd almost given up on it. For Speaking of financial services firms, though, getting back to some of the news this morning in terms of earnings, right. we didn't really get a chance to talk about Morgan Stanley's third quarter results. Wow. Uh, which... Uh, which are sending the stock up. We mentioned at the very top of the, of the program, up three, almost 3.5% three this morning, Jim uh, and Carl. Um, overall, just a decent quarter, I guess. Is well, look, when, you're, when you have low expectations, it's Nabbeth, David. Equity sales it's and Nabbeth. trading revenues were up also 10%. Yes. That's, very di- that's different than Goldman's quarter. Well, remember, he, you know, James Gorman missed a couple quarters ago Did? and was horrified by his own performance. Uh, he's back. We should, I hope we speak with the CFO. He's got a good handle on Morgan Stanley. Yes, Prusan. Yeah. Yes. That would be a good guest to speak. Yes. Uh, we are going to talk to the CFO later on. Uh, leading, though, this morning, Jim, Dover, URI, CSX, Honeywell, Snap-on, right? 
Well, Honeywell was terrific, and it's Darius Adamtic. He never surprised. He, he never ceases to surprise. Atusa likes him, by the way. He, he damned with faint praise, but Atusa, anything Atusa likes is, is golden here. Uh, and I like the Honeywell quarter. I think the United Rentals is really the story of this market. That stock was down five, and then down four, and now it is up. United Rentals did not predict a single line in 2020 that was going to be positive. Look at this thing. This is Nabith. This is Nabith. Nabith being not as bad as fear. Not as bad as fear. I got to tell you, United Rentals, I thought that was going to upset everything. And look at that. Soaring. Soaring. It's a good sign. It's Larry Kudlow's sign. It's very optimistic in 2020. Two and a half percent. Could be better. I don't know. I, hey, listen, I was down, and then Larry made me feel better. I mean, I, I started thinking, where, you know, I can't, where is the buy from China? Well, maybe, maybe there's going to be one. Maybe there's going to be fundamental change on at least some issues. Uh, it does sound like if you put together China phase one, if Brexit passes, uh, you got a GM deal, who knows about the 737 MAX? Southwest today says they're extending cancellations through February 8th now for the plane. Right. Uh, you'd want to get back that back in the air. But those are four Those are four incremental positives, which, to your question to Larry, Jim, makes you wonder why do you still need an insurance cut? Uh, well, I, I, look, I, agree. I, mean, I think the manufacturing economy is weaker than Larry says, but there is, the, those stocks have been crushed. They've been crushed. There's been a bifurcate. Look, Brian Moynihan would tell you that, the the, the CEO of Bank of America. He would say, look, the industrial economy is not that good, but we know why. IBM, we haven't mentioned IBM. No. But but IBM is actually talking not just about uh, this global services business being bad, but the the GTS. But I have to tell you, they see genuine weakness in the economy. I mean, IBM is down over 6%. Red Hat was up 19%. They didn't consolidate all of it for accounting reasons. It's very hard to understand. Obviously, the key part of the strategy here is relying on Red Hat in terms of the attack on the cloud with the hybrid strategy of those corporations that will keep some in-house and use some of the cloud as well. Yeah. But, Jim, it's the older, lagging businesses. It's the legacy businesses. Legacy that continue to just hamper their ability. I mean, it's been quarter after quarter of lack of revenue growth and, in fact, declines. It, it, it's been tough. I mean, look, if you ask me what the best thing that happened is, is that they generated so much cash that they absolutely could still do well. But this global technical services was down horribly. I mean, these are big businesses. Yeah. Uh, an enormous and, amount of employees, too, we should point enormous. out. And the dividend safe. Jeez, oh, that's damn the faint price, isn't it? I suppose, but it's important. Yeah. As you say, it's safe. That's but better than not. They got us. They got to get this uh, revenues fifth, up. They've fifth quarter to. of falling sales. Uh, market cap in 2012 was 214. Uh, today it's 127. I got it at 118 now. Yeah, it's almost oh, yeah. almost a half. It was earlier this right, morning. Right, Warren Buffett, the sale looks pretty right now. Yeah, that was a potentially buy, smart swap out of Mr. IBM Buffett. into Apple. That was a good call. It was a good call. Right? I know that people were bemoaning the fact that Berkshire's not done well. My friend David Rolf from Wedgwood, he, he sold all his. He used to come on all the time and say that Warren Buffett's great. And meanwhile, Warren Buffett's trying to buy more Bank of America. But Wells Fargo has been a bit of a tough one. A tough one. Uh, yeah, we mentioned yesterday. You don't want to hear it that Berkshire's only up 2.7% this year, obviously trailing the S&P. And it has, if you take a look, I think, at Berkshire's performance over the last 10 years. 
Buffett's, and we all have incredible respect and admiration for Mr. Buffett, who's truly extraordinary, but it's yep. been a is, is been a not particularly stellar period. Well, I'll go out on a limb and say that American Express and Coca-Cola, two of his big holdings, will report good numbers tomorrow. You know, it's funny. If I were to put to you guys and say, okay, there's a company I know that stock has underperformed the S&P for a very long period of time that has an 87-year-old or is the 88-year-old chief executive. We don't know the, uh, the plan in terms of who's going to take over. And they have about $120 billion in cash that, they have, that they're just sitting on. Bye, bye, bye. Which, That's fantastic. You say, no, hey, a- try in. You should get involved there. Yeah. They, there ought to it's be never going to happen. There ought to be an activist. It's never going to happen. You're right, David. It should Obviously. be an activist. It's not going to happen. Right? I mean, uh, no. You, it's you, not you, going to happen. You don't think Buffett, Nobody's going to go up against him. But it's an No. Elliot? Elliot's not going to be in there? No, I don't think so. It'd be a heck of a battle, though, if that, that actually were to occur. Hey, can we think um, a little longer term? I mean, just like the other day, Mark Benioff was here. And what have you, you know, David, what have you done for me lately? Faber was, by the way, he was very nice to you. But what did you do? You talked about underperformance. I'll tell you, I didn't talk to him about his underperformance. No, oh, no, you waited. You, you talked behind his back. That's better than to his face. That is not true. I only talked to his face. But I, I just, the only thing I said is, what is his shareholder's uh, reaction? No, I know. When they yes. hear him well, talking so much about all those other stakeholders. A lot of people worried about the Does book. that alienate people who are concerned? You know, and then you take a look at Salesforce. He obviously talks about the incredible um, performance since they went public, which is true. Well, he Unbelievable. Didn't talk, he, he didn't talk about the head and shoulders patterns. But the last well, couple but, of years, last year and a half, you can see it right there. But look at Workday. I mean, holy cow. Workday slowdown. Yeah, look at Adobe. Wow, Workday's bad. Oh, geez. Look at Adobe. I mean, Adobe, some of these companies are really rolling over. Uh, um, by the way, guys, I did want to, you know, yesterday I mentioned we were going to get the proxy on the CBS Viacom deal. Yeah, how's that going? Deal. Uh, we got it. Um, and both stocks are down sharply, uh, Viacom and CBS. Uh, yeah. Best I can tell is that it may be the forecast that they include in the background of the merger right. and the long back and forth and how Viacom viewed CBS's forecasts uh, and its own are well below in terms of CBS, what Viacom saw. Now, they applied a lot of discounts in terms of their beliefs of what would really happen in terms of Showtime, in terms right. of the NFL, a lot of different things. But they came up with uh, a 3.14 and then 3.47 billion EBITDA forecast. This is Viacom's management taking the CBS numbers, running it through their own model. It's well below the street forecast for consensus on what CBS's EBITDA would be in 20 and 21. Now, there also is what Viacom management sees its own uh, forecast. But you know what, Jim? Add those together for 21. No. Right? We're still at, let's call it, $7 billion in EBITDA for the combined entity on a $19 billion current market cap. Yeah, but I, my chab, I bought this stock no, for sorry, my Chapel Trust. 20, sorry, to be, uh, that's wrong. On a, What do I got here? So I, I got 13 no, but, and uh, 8. All right, so $21 this, billion. That's three times. But I only have three I, times, five times earnings. I, I bought this my Chapel Trust for all that stuff that you just gave me. This thing trades like Occidental Petroleum. It does. What, I'm trying to search for a stock that? that's All horrible. Right, so what changes it? I if me and my trust sells it, it because that's the bottom. What are seemingly conservative estimates to a certain extent internally because they're so far below what analysts have been predicting for CBS. Three times 21 EBITDA, but what changes that? It's worst pick. Worst pick my trust has had. Really? Our worst? This year, yeah. Oh, excuse me. It's since, you know, it's a... 
Wow, it's kind of like a Bengals meet Miami Dolphins meets Jesus. Um, but interestingly, they are trading identically right now in terms of at least the percentage. It's the Redskins. It's the Viacom Redskins, for heaven's sake. I mean, honestly, when is... Hey, they when won is, one. They won one. So did the Jets. Come on. Oh, come on, David. These guys haven't won anything. I mean, these guys must be going. Are they going for a first round? Are they tanking? I think they're tanking deliberately. I think Bacchus is tanking. He wants first. He wants the first pick. They were being very conservative in their Well, I can tell you, I'm being very conservative. I'm not tying a noose around my neck. numbers because there was a board member at CBS who would not allow them to go any higher, so they had to go with the absolute lowest number. This is the worst. This is the. And Joe Ionello apparently did want to buy Lionsgate or Stars for some huge price. Do a big buyback. Have you taken a look at Lionsgate? That guy Rucheski. He should have sold that thing the minute anybody was interested. Owning Viacom is like owning is like playing Hunger Games. <laughs> it is. I'm I'm in like a District 12 here for this damn thing. Remember the other day when Elizabeth Warren said that something sucks and Zuckerberg said it sucks. Oh, okay. Zuckerberg Zuckerberg sucks. speaks this afternoon. Don't forget, he's a Hoya. He's a Hoya. Zuckerberg. Be, Zuckerberg. Yeah, he's a. He's ahead of uh, one o'clock. He's ahead of uh, boy. That CBS is awful. That's a two for one split. Wow, it's going down. What? CBS. Well, yeah, because this is because my trust owns it. That's it's a kiss of death. Why don't you just sell it? Stop talking. Because I believed. I believed. Yes, you said we'd be safe in Philadelphia. I was wrong. What movie? What movie? Quick. Uh, well, a witness. Exactly. Uh, with all that, we're holding S&P 3K, uh, so we're going to watch, uh, obviously, the levels all session long. By the way, in less than an hour, UAW leaders will gather to discuss and vote on the union's tentative agreement with GM with the strike in the middle of its fifth week. Our Jane Wells is in Detroit today with all the latest. Morning, Jane. Hey, Carl. Yeah, wait till you hear the eye-popping estimate of what this strike is costing the economy. Uh, the UAW leadership is going to meet in that uh, structure behind me with about 200 local presidents and try to sell them this four-year tentative deal. If they buy the deal, they will send it out to the rank and file for a vote, which could take a week or two, and then they have to decide whether workers can come back before the vote or wait. So take a look at this. What are GM's wins? Three idle plants will close, and jobs in Mexico will stay in Mexico. As for the union, it's big wins. Billions in investment from GM, including converting a plant in Detroit to build an electric truck, pay increases of at least 3% a year, plus a ratification bonus of at least eight grand per employee, keeps one of the best health care plans in the country with workers only paying 3% of the cost, and temporary employees, this is important, have a path to become full-time. However, the Lordstown plant is going away. I'll have to see it as a whole, but uh, it's very discouraging that job security is a huge uh, portion of this uh, agreement for a traditional employee such as myself. At 31 days, this is the longest strike in GM in nearly a half century. Uh, And the cost? Well, fasten your Chevy Silverado seatbelt. According to the Center for Automotive Research, each week the strike costs GM $450 million. The union, $12 million in strike pay. Combined lost wages across the economy is over $850 million a week, plus over $200 million in lost tax revenues out of those paychecks. If that's true, add it up. That's over $1.5 billion per week times four weeks, six billion plus so far. And that doesn't even take into con- uh, consideration, guys, the loss in shareholder value. Back to you. We will uh, we'll let you know when that meeting happens and what comes out of it. 
I was going to say, the TikTok today will be uh, important, Jane. Uh, it's good to see you back covering the story, Jane Wells, in Detroit today. Uh, Dow's up 66. Let's get to Seema Modi, see what's moving. Hey, Seema. Hey, good morning, Carl. Dow back above 27,000. In fact, futures did move right around 5 a.m. on news of a possible Brexit deal. You combine that with that industrial production data, which was bad, but it does reiterate calls for the Fed to cut rates once again. The S&P 500 and the Dow now just about 1% away from record highs. Let's talk about what's moving this morning. The banks take a look at Morgan Stanley up sharply in early trade. Higher bond trading revenue offset weakness in its wealth management business, and that stock is up over 3%. It's been a relatively upbeat earnings session, season, I should say, for the big banks. We also heard from the first industrial to report earnings, and that is Honeywell. It also reported earnings at Beat Street estimates, sales of $9.1 billion for the quarter, down 16%, but it did see strength in its aerospace division. The stock is up 2% here in early trade. Let's pivot, though, to that alleged Brexit deal, because stocks are certainly moving on it. European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker saying a new Brexit deal has been reached, but since then there's been some mixed headlines on whether a deal is in fact coming together. Uh, stocks in Europe still flirting with 52-week highs. And the possible beneficiaries, we should point out, would just be the U.K. stock market. It has significantly underperformed its peers in Europe. If you take a look at a one-year chart, you'll see that the FTSE 100 only up about 2% compared to Germany and France. City on gains up 8 to 10%. Other possible beneficiaries would be the U.K. currency, which has been outperforming over the past one week, although down slightly today. And the FTSE 250, that is a basket of domestic stocks that benefit when the U.K. economy is strong and when the currency is strong. Plus, the U.K. banks, Royal Bank of Scotland, Lloyds Bank, sitting on gains of around 2% in today's trade. And we should also take a look at uh, the biggest REIT, the biggest real estate investment trust in the U.K. Gains of 3%. Guys, tonight, China GDP, we're expecting third quarter uh, to come in at around 6.1%. Back to you, Carl. Seema, thanks. When we come back, uh, Union Pacific down after missing on earnings, uh, some better efficiencies. We will talk to the CEO, who is also pushing for passage of the USMCA, which we discussed a few moments ago with Larry Kudlow. Dow's up 81. Don't go anywhere. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently, and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Take a look at Netflix today. It gets to 308, uh, but uh, backing off just a touch after that uh, second miss on sub guidance in a row. We're going to watch that closely. Dow's up 100. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a moment. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. 
specialised across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, time for stop trading. I usually don't care about new additions to a board, but this one is different. Carol Tomei, the former CFO of Home Depot, maybe the arguably the best CFO in, in our generation, okay. joined the board of Cisco. I think that's important. Cisco's stock has been, has been struggling. If it's still able to attract some good people, Chuck Robbins knows what he's doing. I think the stock's a buy. Tomei is the best. Carol Tomei is the best. Worshipful. That's how great she is. She understands the economy better than anyone. She will be missed from Home Depot, but now she's in Cisco. Indeed. So tonight? I've got a company. A lot of uh, people have called me on it in the lightning round called Arrowhead. And I kept saying, I got to know, I got to know. It's up 180%. It does gene silencing against diseases. I cannot wait. These kinds of companies fascinate me endlessly. Thank you, Larry Kudlow, for bringing us a ray of sunshine. Uh, he did. He did deliver that. Yes. Yeah. Rather optimistic about Q4, at least. David, next year. for members of the podcast uh, contingent, He's still David here. is saying nothing because he doesn't, I think, concur with me. He's not a, oh my, David is a podcast nightmare. Yes, he's a ghost, a podcast ghost. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.